0: Section 14 of Early Rome by Wilhelm Ina. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 9. The People in the Regal Period. The Roman people were not a homogeneous mass. Apart from actual slaves, who were never classed with the people in any ancient community, we observe two distinct classes of citizens the patricians and the plebeians that is the ruling class of citizens in the possession of the full franchise and an inferior dependent class a similar distinction between two classes of citizens we find in every state of antiquity it owes its origin to conquest and to the necessity under which the conquerors found themselves of admitting the conquered races to some sort of civil fellowship the rule was that the inferior class was allowed to enjoy certain private rights of property and personal security they were not slaves in the full sense of the word for slaves never enjoyed the protection of the law for either property or life but the conquered race was not admitted to civil equality with the conquerors they had to bear the civil burdens in return for the protection they enjoyed they had especially to join their rulers in the defence of the common country but they were excluded from the political rights of the sovereign people that is from a voice in the national assemblies whether for the election of magistrates or for resolutions affecting the national policy or for legislation or finally for the trial of offenders all these functions accordingly devolved in rome exclusively on the patricians that is the members of those families who had founded the state by conquest they alone formed what was anciently called the populus romanus in opposition to the plebs this patrician populace was divided into tribes curiae and gentes the assembly of curies comitia curiata was consequently an assembly of patricians only at least it seems clear that plebeians if admitted to listen or to be present when the curies met took no active part in their decisions the comitia curiata were the only popular assemblies known in the earliest period when the national institutions bore a preeminently religious character and the original confederacy had not yet been fully developed into a real state with a centralised secular government the assembly voted by couriers that is there were thirty votes all the members of one curia uniting to form one vote the king presided and all questions of national importance were here decided namely the election or perhaps only the inauguration of kings the investment of a commander with military power the lex curiata de imperio declarations of war the trial of offenders and finally the adoption of laws if formal legislation can be supposed to have taken place at that time the constitution of rome exhibits with regard to popular assemblies a feature not found anywhere else it is this that not less than three different forms of such assemblies existed side by side differently organised and having each its own peculiar functions the assembly of curies of which we have just spoken was the oldest and for a time the only assembly in the second period of the kings was organised the military assembly of centuries which was destined chiefly for the election of military commanders for decisions about peace and war and for the trial of those citizens who had broken the peace and were therefore looked upon as public enemies the third form of assemblies the comitia tributa was introduced in consequence of the rising of the plebs they included only plebeians and were at first confined to the election of plebeian magistrates the tribunes of the people and the plebeian ideales and to questions concerning the plebs alone but in course of time this last assembly acquired more and more importance and was invested with the character of a national assembly the peculiar organization of these three assemblies constitutes the distinguishing feature of the three successive periods of the roman constitution we shall become acquainted with the canturiate assembly when we come to review the republican government in its oldest form and with the assemblies of tribes when we examine the rise and progress of the tribunician power of the curiotic assembly we need say no more than that as far as real life and influence are concerned it was the thing of the past when rome emerged from the prehistoric period it was then one of those unmeaning forms which the romans preserved from their national veneration for old institutions and which enable the historian to form an opinion of times otherwise buried in utter oblivion the patricians as we have seen formed the ruling body By the side of them there existed from the earliest times a subordinate class called plebeians, enjoying indeed the name of Roman citizens and entitled to the protection of life and property, differing therefore widely from slaves, but still excluded from a share in the government, from the Senate, the Assembly of Curies, the auspices of the State, and from intermarriage with the patricians. They thus formed a distinct body, a subject population bound to bear the burdens of the State, without sharing in its government. They had no doubt a separate organization to manage their own affairs, their peculiar sanctuaries, their assemblies, religious and social, their own officers for administration and judicial purposes. But of these things we can only form conjectures, based upon the institutions of a later period, as no satisfactory evidence can be traced back to the period of the kings. Nor are we better informed of the origin of the plebeians, according to the traditional story it was romulus who by his own will and pleasure divided the whole mass of citizens into patricians and plebeians this account is no more to be trusted than the stories of the legislation of romulus and numa dependent classes are not made by legislators they are the result of political revolutions the roman plebeians must have been the descendants of a population reduced to subjection by conquest but when and how this was done is beyond the reach of our knowledge it is possible that the original population of the country was at one time conquered by an invading host of new settlers and then reduced to the condition of plebeians it is possible also that the invaders brought with them a class of dependents the result of a previous conquest we cannot speculate on these possibilities with any prospect of profit and must rest satisfied with a general impression rendered plausible by analogy a certain number of plebeians were distinguished from the rest by the name of clients these clients appear to have been attached as hereditary dependents to certain patrician families each patrician had a number of whom he was called the patron he was bound specially to watch over their interests and to act as their legal protector whilst in return they paid him fixed dues and services the clients seem to have played an important part in the early period they are often mentioned as the special partisans of the patricians in their disputes with the plebs they would appear therefore to have been practically a distinct class of citizens although the law knew only patricians and plebeians and classed the clients among the latter in course of time the difference between clients and other plebeians disappeared the old clientship became a thing of the past and was replaced by a new clientship of a somewhat different order with which the early history of rome has no concern it is not at all unlikely that the condition of the plebeians was improved by the military kings who limited the power of the more aristocratic form of government in which the heads of patrician houses assembled in the senate ruled the state under the nominal control of a sacerdotal king the establishment of the comitia centuriata which first gave political rights to the plebeians is ascribed to servius tullius the tarquins who are represented as hostile to the nobility must have relied upon the support of the plebeians and we are told that upon the expulsion of the kings the patricians were compelled to make concessions to the plebeians in order to reconcile them to the republican government. We are told, moreover, that as soon as all danger of a restoration of the kings was past, the patricians showed themselves less conciliatory to the plebeians, and that the latter were thus forced into an open rebellion, which threatened the state with dissolution and was only brought to an end by fresh concessions on the part of the patricians. This rebellion is the famous secession to the sacred hill, the starting-point of plebeian liberties to which we shall soon have to turn our attention end of section fourteen